In John 14, I've been teaching on the subject called transformation. God wants to transform who you are and how you do life. This is lesson four. John 14, 15 through 17. This is New Living Translation. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands or keep my word. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and will later be in you. Jesus, uh, you know, the disciples depended on Jesus for everything for those three and a half years that He was in ministry. If uh, sick needed to be healed, Jesus was there. If they need money to pay taxes, Jesus was there. If one of their friends had died and, and it, was, uh, it wasn't time for them to die, Jesus was there to raise them from the dead. If there's someone that was infirmed in some way and a demonic spirit had a hold of them, Jesus was there. If they had a question about Scripture, Jesus was there. And He began to prepare His disciples for His departure. And He said, you know, it's going to be better for you if I go away. And He said, here, I will give you somebody who just like me will be better than me to you. We'll get into that a little bit later, but Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to take His place in our lives. He's not with us in the flesh in person as He was with the disciples, but how many know you've actually got some something better because not only is Jesus with us, but He sent somebody to represent Him inside of us. How many think that could be better? And if there's ever a generation that needed to take advantage of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in our lives, it's the generation we live in today. How many hear me? In fact, Amplified New Testament, John 14, 16. I love the way the Amplified connects all of the shades of meaning for that word uh, paraclete in the King James Version or helper, it's translated in other verses and I will, or versions. And I will ask the Father, verse 16, and He will give you another comforter and that word comforter, the uh, Amplified brings out all the shades of meaning. He wants a counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. Isn't that awesome? Do you know the Holy Spirit will provide all those venues of help in life? How many know if you need a counselor, He's there? If you've got a question on what to do, where to go, what to do with this, that, the other, in any realm of life. How many know the Holy Spirit wants to be a counselor, yes or no? He also wants to be a helper. How many have needed help? I don't know how many times I'm going through a hard place, a difficult time. You know, sometimes you think you can do things on your own, but how many know you can make a real mess unless you, uh, unless you rely on the Lord and ask for His aid and help? Often we can think we can do life by ourselves and we'll make a bigger mess than if, if to start with we say, Lord, help us. How many hear me? Counselor, helper, intercessor, that is one who takes your place, helps you pray, advocate, an attorney-in-chief, perhaps. He uh, advocates for you before the Father. A strengthener. How many have needed to be strengthened? You feel like you come to the end of your rope, the end of your journey. You've dealt with this long enough and don't know what else to do. How many know there's extra strength when you need it? And then that last word, stand by. You know, I've got a, a big truck and it's got a big engine in it. I love that thing. And, uh, and you know, you can kind of cruise along you can cruise along like everybody else, but when you need the power, all I got to do is press that patent power, that gas pedal, and there's some extra standby power available when I need it. How many hear what I'm saying? And that's the way the Holy Spirit is in you. When you need Him, He is there uh, to help immediately, and He's right now 
available. My encouragement today is let the power of God be refreshed in your life as a believer. Now listen, this uh, is 2019. Many of us has been in the Lord for many years, me for over 43 years, as I mentioned frequently. And I've seen, I've seen patterns, I've seen moves of God come and go. When I came to the Lord, it was right in the middle of the charismatic movement. And the power of God was flowing in a fresh way in the denominational churches. The denominational people by score came out of the denominational churches and came to churches not unlike the one we have today. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and just got excited about the power of God. But in recent years, the churches has allowed the Holy Spirit's power to take a back seat. And many believers have ta- allowed the Holy Spirit's power to take a back seat in their life. How many hear me? And it's time to take Him off the back burner and stir Him back up in your life. How many hear what I'm saying? And I keep thinking this, you know, when the, when the church was birthed in the first century, right when Jesus was raised from the dead, there was tremendous persecution from all areas of living. The society was a mess. There was paganism uh, rampant. Idol worship was rampant. Sexual immorality was rampant. The Roman government severely persecuted the church. They literally had a schizo, uh, uh, a, a paranoid schizophrenic Nero as, uh, as one of their emperors. He actually had a 14-year-old boy that he married. So you think we got it bad, they had it worse than bad. You hear what I'm saying? So, But they had the power of God, they had the power of the Holy Spirit. And the believers would allow God's power to flow in their lives every day. And they overcame every challenge, every obstacle. Now think about what Jesus did. It looked like Christianity would never make it. Jesus allowed Himself to be killed by his arch enemy Satan and all the people working with him. But Jesus overcome death and he was resurrected. And when Jesus was resurrected, the 11 apostles that remained, they, they added one to their group who had, who, uh, who like them had been with Jesus, had been there for the three and a half years of ministry. And Jesus told them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for some power before you ever go and minister. And think about what these 12 guys did. They went and turned the whole world upside down. Think of what Jesus did with 12 people. Think of what God can do with all of the people who say they know Jesus in America and worldwide. You know, the book of Acts said, they that have turned the world upside down have come into our city too. Do you think God can do the same thing today? You know, if you get your eyes on what's happening in America, you can look, it can look really depressing. But if we get our eyes on what God wants to do, we'll be excited because in the middle of the Mass chaos and mess. God always comes through. How many hear me? It looked like Jesus was over, but that that stone was rolled away and He come out of that grave. It looks like the disciples were done. The the, uh, Romans were looking for Him and they were in hiding. And Jesus told them, in fact, look down here in Acts chapter 1. Jesus told them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for some power before you go out in ministry. How many hear me? So here we are full circle. First century, there were challenges in everywhere you turn. They wouldn't have known what to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we are at the very close of the age of grace. Jesus is about to come back. We don't know the day or hour, but we can know the season. And we are in the season 
of the second coming of Christ. It may be a few years. It may be extended. It feels like it's going to be sooner than any of us think. But in the interim time, God has given us the Holy Spirit. And just as He was stirred up in the first century, God wants to stir up the Holy Spirit in the last season of the church age before He comes back. How many hear what I'm saying? Look at Acts chapter 1. During the 40 days after He suffered and died, He, Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time and He proved to them in many ways that He was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when He was eating with them, He commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So He told them there's an experience that you're going to receive from God, and it's going to prepare you for the days ahead. It's going to prepare you personally. It's going to prepare you for ministry. Just don't leave this city until you have this power. Listen, if it was important for the first century church to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, how many know it's even more so important for us who may be at the very close of the church age to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? How many hear me? And don't forget again, God uh, revealed to a prophet named Joel 2,500 years ago that it would come to pass in the last days that He would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And all through the church age, there have been inspired utterances called prophecies where God told His people generation after generation after generation, just before Jesus comes back, just before the Messiah returns, there's going to be an explosion once again of the power of God. And y'all, I have the witness in my heart. We're right on the outer edges of that, and it's time to get ready right now. Jesus said to His disciples further in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Everybody say power. I wonder where the power is in the church today. It's time to stir it up again. Luke twenty four forty nine. Jesus said to His disciples, And now I send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. I love the way it says that in the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I mentioned this, uh, I mentioned this last week, but uh, at the very close of the service with Festus. How many enjoyed Festus Soha last week? So I mentioned this very close of the service, shared some things about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, uh, of course, you know, the uh, uh, <clears throat> Jesus died and appeared to His disciples for 40 days and told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. It was 10 days from the time Jesus uh, ascended to heaven at the ascension and, uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit came. And uh, it's really, really unusual. There are a lot of teachings. There are books out now. God is a God of order. There's rhyme and reason to everything He does. And many times the things that God uh, does line right up with the Old Testament feasts that the Israelites uh, 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 used to, uh, to honor certain things that God had done among them. One of these was the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50th, so 50 days from the time that Jesus was raised from the dead. There was a Jewish feast day called Feast of Pentecost. And uh, Jews came from all over the area to come back to enjoy this feast. 
And so there were um, at least 17 different nations represented in Jerusalem during this time. And it says in Acts 2, 1, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And I've heard this all my life that the only reason that happened on the on the on that feast day day of pentecost was because there were 17 different uh um nations that were in jerusalem and every nation every person in different dialects were able to hear the word of god spoken to them in a way that they could understand so the 120 that were in the upper room waiting those 10 days when they were filled with the spirit they came out speaking in other languages only to minister to the people in jerusalem and i've heard that all of my life as i was being raised in a denominational church but what they leave out is there's several other other instances in the book of Acts where people were baptized with the Holy Spirit several years later in the city of Samaria. Um, uh, a disciple went and ministered there and the people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say there were all kinds of different nations in Samaria. God did it because they needed personal power. In Acts chapter 10, a few years later, a guy named Cornelius, who was a Gentile, was minding his own business, and he had a dream, or the Bible says a vision, and he, and he saw in the vision that God wanted, wanted to minister not only to Jews, but also include Gentiles, non-Jewish people, in the things of God. And, uh, and Peter heard about that, and Peter said, well, God's doing something fresh and different. And uh, Peter, you know, had the vision and, and he preached the message and these Gentile believers got born again. The Holy Spirit fell on them. It doesn't say there were a bunch of nations there. It just says there were Gentile believers there. How many hear me? And they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, it, because they needed the Holy Spirit personal 20 years after Pentecost in a city of, uh, called Ephesus in the modern day uh, nation of Turkey. It was Asia Minor in the Bible. That's what... Turkey was called. Paul sat, found some believers following John the Baptist, and they didn't even know that Jesus had come. Obviously, you know, they didn't have the internet and all the, all the uh, great ways to communicate we have today. And, and Paul said, well, Jesus has already come. They were still following John the Baptist and his baptism. Paul uh, got them saved, and then he laid hands on them, the Bible says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit as they were in Acts chapter 2, what does that tell you? This experience was not just for the early church. It wasn't just for the people of Jerusalem. Peter preaching a sermon in Acts chapter 2, he said, The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I would say we're far off from the first century, would you? So if they had the promise of the Holy Spirit's power, we have the same promise today. Yes or no? In fact, we need that power more today than we have ever needed it. We need the power of God. And God is seeking to stir that power up. And in my prayer time, I've just got to tell you, I keep witnessing over and over again that the Lord wants to do more than the church, particularly in America, is allowing Him to do. And He's going to be breaking out from the from the standards and the boxes that we've placed him in. And how many believe he's going to be doing something fresh? How, wanted, how many want him to use you in doing something fresh? You know, when I was 18 years old, 
Uh, I was 18 years old in 1976. I was 17. Well, well actually, when I was uh, 16, 70, 16, my mother was in a, a Baptist ladies prayer meeting. You've heard me say this many times. February 1975, some ladies met the second Tuesday of February, I think she told me, in a, a lady's home in her sunken living room, and they would pray. And this particular Tuesday, 1975, February, my mother, along with a number of other ladies, uh, were praying at the very end of their prayer time. Uh, they were praying and just thanking God for salvation and thanking Jesus and just telling them how much they loved them, uh, Him when all of them had an unusual experience with the power of God. And my mother said, I began to speak in a language I had never, I didn't even know what it was. And she said, the other ladies, the same thing happened to them. Some of them just fell down on the floor, praying and worshiping the Lord and weeping. And the power of God had come upon them and they did not know what happened to them at all, had no clue. One of them had a friend who was a, a Pentecostal pastor and, and uh uh, talked to him and said, we had an unusual experience in our ladies' prayer meeting. She told that pastor, and he said, well, you've received what the Bible calls the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And they said, what is that? And so he explained it to them. But my, bottom line, my mother went home, and she was a completely transformed person. My childhood, my mother had problems with her back. My father had back surgery. My mother had back surgery and just had a terrible time. My mother, my mother was constantly complaining of chronic aches and pains here and there and everywhere. And as a little boy, and I just distinctly remember, in fact, when my younger brother, 11 years my junior, was born, I had to help change. I learned how to change cloth diapers, nasty, and all that. And we never put them on our four kids. But you know, because my mother was ill and sick, but after she received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, no kidding, she came home from that experience and something happened. Instead of always talking chronically, complaining about this, that, other, other, worry, concern, she said, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And my brothers and my father and I would look at each other thinking my mother had just, mother or his wife had just gone cuckoo. Something's wrong with mom, you know. Uh, she changed, she began listening to Christian music all day on an FM radio station. She would uh, read her Bible constantly. And, you know, back then people would say, if you get too much religion, you'll lose your mind. Well, some of us need to lose our mind because we have the wrong kind of thinking. People really said that. I mean, listen, people really said that. And uh, all I can tell you is my mother changed and uh, it was just really an unusual time in her life. The next year, 1976, um, I had to have all of my wisdom teeth removed in June of 1976, my brother had it um, the month before, swole up like a chick monk, couldn't eat for a few days, you know. And so I went to the dentist. He said, You're, you have a small mouth. That's good news. Small mouth. Nobody's ever told me that before. He says, you've got to have all four removed. So my mother came up to me the day before the surgery and said, the Lord spoke to me. I said, yeah, right. I, inside, I thought, yeah, right. Yeah, right. So said, well, the Lord spoke to me. He said, if I lay hands on you and pray, then uh, for you, before you have surgery, you won't swell up and you'll be eating very quickly. I said, we'll go ahead. And, I mean, just flippantly, we'll go ahead and pray. It won't hurt me. It won't hurt me. So I pray, she prayed for me. I no kidding. I went to the dentist. You know, I did the 100, 99, 98, 97, went out, knocked out. Came back too. And uh, y'all, I never swole up. And I was eating the next day. Isn't that amazing? I never swallowed up. Her prayer was answered. Now, I got, that got my attention. A few months later, September 1976, I went to a, 
a church not unlike this church. It was a charismatic church in our town. Those were new in those days. And I received that evening, 7.20 p.m., the baptism with the Holy Spirit. First of all, I gave my life back to Jesus after having been away from him. A lot of people meet Jesus when they're young and then fall away for whatever reason by getting around the wrong crowd. How many know the wrong crowd can lead you to hell? You can, have a right, you can be the right kind of person, but if you get the wrong kind of friends, friend, you are in trouble. How many hear me? So I did that, and uh, I came back to the Lord that day. I went Sunday morning, September uh, 12th, 1976, to that church and, and gave my life back to Jesus. Threw my cigarettes out the window of my car. I, would, I could even tell you what brand, but it doesn't matter. And, uh, I threw them out the window. I went back that night. And right at the close of the service, the associate pastor of the church was uh, preaching and said, uh, and just said, if you need, want more of Jesus in your life, you need to come down here right now. And my friend beside me said, Mitch, do you want more of God, more of Jesus in your life? I said, well, sure. He said, well, you need to go up there. And I went, I went down front and uh, hands were laid on me. I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. For the first time in my life, I spoke in a language I'd never known. And it changed my life. There was no physical sensation. But there was something that happened on the inside of me. There was a spiritual transaction between me and the Lord. And the Spirit of God came on me in fullness. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word baptized, let me talk about it a minute. You know this, I often illustrate it this way. Uh, this bottle of water has water. The relationship this bottle has with water is that it's in it. But if I could change the relationship, if I wanted to, that this bottle has with water, I could take a tub of water that's filled with water and place this bottle that has water in it in the tub of water, instantly the relationship this bottle has with water changes it. Not only is it in it, it surrounds it. It's a cocoon in which the bottle now exists. When you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Yes or no? But with the baptism, the word baptize, it's a Greek word. It's a transliterated word from another language. It literally means to immerse in. So the people got it all wrong. They take this little device and, you know, sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. You know, when people are little babies and stuff to sprinkle them. The Bible doesn't teach sprinkling baptism. No, the Bible teaches immersion. So if you're baptized in water, what are you immersed in? Huh? Water? Did somebody say water? Okay, if you're baptized in tea, what are you baptized in? If you're baptized in the ocean, what are you baptized in? If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, what are you baptized in? You're baptized in Him. What does that mean? That means your relationship with Him changes. Now you're living in a cocoon. You're living, you're living in a new realm. You're living, in, you're living in an era, era of life for you that is different than it ever has been. And now your whole existence is in Holy Spirit. Not only is He in you, He surrounds your life. How many get it? You're immersed in Him. And friends, the church today has forgotten this blessed experience. The baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, my encouragement is walk in the light of the experience. I'm telling you, I ask believers and people don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I shouldn't give myself away. But as I'm talking, I find out if they pray in the Spirit. The majority of the people at Victory Church have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But just by just rubbing elbows with y'all, I found out a lot of people don't pray in the Spirit every single day. And you should. 
How many hear me? They don't exercise that gift and they've let the water of the Spirit leak out of their life. One thing about life is we leak and we leak out. You have to eat food every day because yesterday's food won't strengthen you for what you've got to do today. Yes or no? And yesterday's experience with God won't, won't be good enough to empower us for what we're dealing with today. And now the world has changed so much just in the last few years, and it's going to continue to change, that in order for us to be able to confront spiritually the challenges that we face and not become a lukewarm, wimpy believer that kowtows and gives in to the flesh, the world, and the devil, you need the power of God. I mean, you know, you say, well, pastor, how do you pastor? And how, why have you been going? How have you been going all these years? Because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and because my life is not my own and because I've made a choice to give my, give him some time in my life every single day. And if you'll give him some time and take him off the back burner, he'll get on the front burner and help you in every area of life. He'll help you with your marriage. He'll help you with your flesh. He'll help you with your mind. He'll help you with your emotions. He'll help you with your finances. He'll help you with your job. He'll help you with your spouse. He'll help you with your children. He'll help you in every area of life. He'll help you as you age. How many hear me? He's the most wise person I've ever met in my life. And he'll constantly speak. Jesus said when he comes, he will show you things to come. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's with you, and he was with the disciples, but he said he will be in you. How many hear me? And we need the Spirit of God desperately today. I've mentioned this so many times over the years. There are three things that happened to me when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit that will happen to you. And there are three things that you should constantly walk in. Number one, three things. Number one, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, first thing that happens to a person baptized with the Holy Spirit, boldness comes upon them. Boldness, Acts 1.8, but you receive power. Everybody say power. We'll come back to that word. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, the Greek word, the New Testament originally translated there in Greek, as the word power is the word dunamis. We get three English words from the word dunamis. Dynamic, dynamite, dynamo. A dynamo doesn't create power. A dynamo takes power that, that, that is given to it and translates it into usable power. We have the power of God on the inside. The Holy Spirit gives us God's power and on the inside it becomes a dynamo of spiritual energy that can help you overcome the flesh and the world and, and all of the mess that has been in your life before you knew Jesus. How many hear me? When I first came to Jesus, I noticed, first thing I noticed was, uh, I, I prayed in the Spirit, but uh, one of the first things the next day was boldness. I had to be at work at 7 o'clock next, next morning, and I got to work at the grocery store where I worked. And I was 17 years of age, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take, take a brain surgeon to put, you know, shell, cans on a grocery store shelf. You just got to know how to cut a box open without cutting your finger. And then you got to figure out where the uh, merchandise goes, and then you just kind of stick it on the shelf. Pretty simple, right? So I was doing that, and I was minding my own business, and this girl that <clears throat> went to school with me all my life, her name was Jane. She's a pretty little girl. She had a red hair and just beautiful, beautiful girl. <clears throat> but she, I'd known her all my life, went to school with me all my life. She worked with there with who I did. And I was always known for quitting smoking cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes, and she was constantly bumming cigarettes off of me. So here is September 13th, 1976. I was 17. 
She comes out of the back room early in the morning and said, Mitch, give me a cigarette because she wanted to go smoke one on a break. And as I usually did, I was going to say, well, I don't have one. I quit because I was known. And she would laugh at me for saying I quit. Then the next day I'm smoking again, you know. So when I started to say, well, Jane, I don't have one. I quit. Something inside me for the first time in my life said, Mitch, tell her you don't smoke because Jesus set you free. And my head said, well, I've never said that before. She'd think I'm an idiot. And so it come up again. Mitch, give me a cigarette. She stood right there at the aisle. And I said, and again, I heard inside, you tell her Jesus set you free from smoking. You don't smoke anymore. Well, I said, well, Jane, so I did because it come on me. So, and I, I didn't know that. I'd never felt the Holy Spirit like that in my life. And, and it was bold. I said, well, Jane, I don't have any cigarettes on me because I quit. I threw them out the door. Uh, the car window yesterday, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, because Jesus set me free. When I said Jesus set me free, her eyes got big around his quarters. And she, she didn't even say it. She just batted her eyes and walked on. And never asked me for a cigarette again. I never had another one to my mouth since then. How many hear me? In fact, when I fill out forms, uh, medical forms, when's the last time you smoked? September 12th, 1976. You know, that's what I did, so... There's a boldness that comes. And ever since then, y'all had a backwards personality as a kid. You wouldn't believe what I acted like. I wouldn't make eye contact with people. I wouldn't talk to people. I would look down when they came by. I wouldn't engage people in conversation. I was an introvert. But Jesus made me an extrovert. Now, he might not do it just that way with you, but I'm telling you there's a boldness you've never had that can come. Secondly, a greater understanding of the word I noticed came with this experience. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Now, the natural man... Oh, that is the person without God does not receive or understand the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned or understood. How many know the Bible is a spiritual book and you don't understand the Bible with your mind alone? A lot of people may think that they're extremely educated, but sometimes the most educated are the farthest from the truths of Scripture. Because it takes the Holy Spirit, the author of the book, to reveal its contents to you. How many hear me? This book was written over a period of over 14, 1600 years. 40 different authors from uneducated people to the most educated people because the Holy Spirit would come upon people and they would write words that they heard. The Holy Spirit coming upon the prophets as they wrote and the apostles as they wrote what we call the Bible, the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible to be written. And when He comes to us in fullness, how many know He is able to correctly interpret what was meant when the words were penned by the various people the Holy Spirit used? So my experience was, <clears throat> I had read my Bible since I was a little boy. I got stars on my head as a little boy in a Sunday school class for memorizing Scripture. And my parents took me to church three times a week and sometimes every day of the week if we had what they called revival services. And, uh, and so I'd read a lot. I was very familiar with a lot of Scripture. But uh, the day after I was baptized with the Holy Spirit the night before, I came home from work. I got off at 6. And microwave ovens weren't, were just becoming popular, but we didn't have one yet. That shows how old I am. And uh, we still have one of those ovens, you know, that are on the counter that you heat food up. My mother heated my food up on the counter when I got home and I ate my supper. And I said, well, I'm going back to my room. I still live with my parents. And I'm, I shut the door and I had never in my life, y'all, for all of the years I lived up till that time, never wanted to read the Bible. I, I made myself because my parents disciplined me to read my Bible. 
But this time, I wanted to read it. Fact is, I felt like I could about eat it. I was so hungry for it. So I got my Bible out and I said, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament said, well, I think I'll start with New Testament. So I started the book of Matthew chapter 1. And I read Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Matthew 3, Matthew 4. Got up to Matthew 5, no kidding. And I, it's the same Bible I'd had for you. And I just said, whoa, 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 what, what is this? Well, well something's, wrong, something's different. And I looked and it said, Holy Bible. It was King James Version. All these other versions weren't available then. So I said, that's different. But as I read, it was as though the writing was to me. And it was speaking to me. And God was talking to me. He was witnessing to me. When the Holy Spirit comes to you in fullness, that's what He does. The author of the book is inside of you. And He'll show you what He meant when He penned those words. And He'll make them stick to you and minister life to you. How many hear me? Best illustration I've ever had, you know, if you've ever, uh, you know, you got Netflix or Prime Video, whatever you're watching a video, let's say you're watching a video and, and maybe you live in an apartment or a, a complex or whatever and <clears throat> there's sidewalks outside <clears throat> and you've got the windows up, it's a nice, it's a nice fall day, <clears throat> cool temperatures outside, you got the windows up, you know, and you're <clears throat> sitting in your favorite chair and you're watching this movie and what if somebody, I know that's a little far-fetched, but just hang with me. So what if, what if somebody knocks on your door? No, no, no. You put it on pause. And you stand up and say, yeah. And they say, my name is so-and-so. Look, I, I noticed it sounded like you were listening to XYZ movies. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? So, well, my name is so-and-so. I'm visiting relatives here. I'm actually the producer of that movie. Now, I know it's a little far-fetched, right? But what if this person said, can I come in a minute? And what if they came in, sat down beside you, and he said, well, take it off pause. And went through the rest of the movie and he told you the next scene, the next scene, what he was thinking, why this is happening. Maybe it's a mystery movie. This is going to happen. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. He gives you the understanding why this happened and that happened because he's the one that produced the movie. He knows the whole thing. When the Holy Spirit comes into you, that's what he does. He knows exactly what was meant by many of the writings we call the Bible. How many hear me? And he can interpret it to you in the light of where you are, what you're doing, how you're living, and what you're dealing with. How many hear me? So he gives you boldness, a new understanding of the word. Lastly, he gives you a new way to pray that comes with this experience. Again, Acts 2, 4. And everyone present in the upper room was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, if there's anything that upsets people about, about uh, full gospel believers, it says, what is this speaking in other languages or speaking in unknown tongues? What in the world is that? I mean, the only thing I knew about that growing up in the church I was raised in, uh, my pastor had black rimmed glasses. I can still see him to this day. He was on this side of his pulpit, and he was doing like this. And he was emphasizing a point, and he said, and speaking in other tongues is of the devil, and pointed his finger like that. And that's the only thing I heard about it as a little boy. He was talking about Acts chapter 2. He said, we don't do that today. People are under demonic control. But I got to thinking, now if, that was, uh, if, it, if it really was under demonic control, why did that experience make my mother fall in love with Jesus so much? And why did the apostle Peter, who ran away from Jesus after Jesus was raised from the dead, why in the world did the power of God come on him and he preach about Jesus if this experience is of the devil? 
And why in my own life, if this experience is of the devil, why did it make me fall in love with Jesus so much more? I think that pastor must have got it wrong. So what is speaking in the unknown tongue or praying in other languages? What is that that the Bible talks about? Well, what it is in simplicity is our human spirit. How many know you're a spiritual being in a physical body? It's your human spirit talking to God without the aid of the human mind. It's literally spirit-to-spirit communion with God. It's praying the perfect prayer. uh, In our prayer meetings, I mention this constantly because you never hear it anywhere else. The Bible says when you pray in the Spirit, you don't speak unto men but to God. Let me ask you a question. Is there any value in talking to God? Yes or no? So then you have to ask the next question. If there's value in talking to God and if praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues is talking to God, then is there any value in speaking with other tongues? The obvious answer is yes, right? Huh? So uh, you're praying the perfect prayer. You're speaking, one translation says you're speaking mysteries, 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, Another translation says you're speaking divine secrets. Amplified New Testament says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2 about praying in tongues, you're speaking, uttering secret truths and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, if I pray in the tongue, my spirit is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful, but I don't understand what I'm saying. So, you know, my experience, once I received this experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I too spoke in those other languages that night at 7.20 p.m., September 12, 1976. And then the next day, I prayed in the Spirit again. And here's, here's what I have surmised over all of these years. I remember as a little boy going to church and uh, the pastor would call on this deacon or this person or this Sunday school teacher or that person or this church leader to lead us in our small congregation in prayer. And you know what I noticed as a little boy where we're going through the Vietnam War when I was in my single digits in the, early, in the 60s, mid-60s, late 60s. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, so I can remember time and time again, Sunday after Sunday, we recited together as a congregation the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, that's good. And as Jesus gave an example prayer there. I'm not sure he meant for it to be recited as a way to connect with God. But nonetheless, that's what we did. And then somebody would pray. And when they prayed, they said the same thing every Sunday. Exact. Almost. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the details. I could tell you everything they said now. They said it so many times. And here I am, a little boy in church thinking, now, wait a minute. God's an intelligent being. We're intelligent, supposed to be intelligent people. But we're saying the same thing to talk this being, this God. We're saying the same thing all the time. Doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we saying the same thing? What are, what are we doing? I mean, I don't go to my mom and say the same thing the same way all the time or my brother or my dad or my friends. You know, people that I know I commune with, I communicate for the first time in my life after I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. My heart was able to say everything I ever wanted to say to God my heavenly father. And for the first time in my life, I felt inwardly, spiritually satisfied. Friends, that comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the ability to pray in tongues. Somebody said it's a flowing stream that should never dry up. Some believers have experience with the Holy Spirit, experience it one time and never do anything with it again. It's supposed to go with you through your whole life. 
And it's supposed to help you go through challenges and chests and trials. Probably, you know, these three things. Boldness, a greater understanding of the Bible, and then a new way to pray. For me, that new way to pray, pray has been a tremendous assist in my personal life. And just in life in general, as I've gone through crises just like you have, we've raised four children, put four children through school. I mean, all you've been in ministry since 1981. I've been in so many different foreign lands with so many different challenges. And I don't know how I could have ever done what I do and keep a sane mind without the Holy Spirit in fullness working in me and helping me in life. And my encouragement to you today is let the Holy Spirit work in your life in a fresh way. If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, walk in the light of the experience. Take it off the back burner and stir Him back up. Take some time every day. Years ago, back in the early 80s, God led me every day to start my day with God, start my day in the Word, start my day in prayer. And I think it's probably one thing that has preserved my life up until this point is because I had a time that I knew I was going to connect with God without outside interference. My encouragement to me and to all of us in the room and everybody watching, take some time every day to pray and fellowship with God. Read the Word, pray, and then pray in the Spirit. If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, exercise that wonderful gift. How many hear me? Somebody asked me the other day, well, once you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you mean to tell me that you can pray in the Spirit anytime you want to? Yes, I can. That's exactly what I mean. The Apostle Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. You, you do it at will. You will to pray anytime you want, right? Well, you, you can also will to pray in this heavenly language anytime you want. My encouragement, take some time to do it. Me, when I'm driving, I'm usually praying in the Spirit or praying in the Spirit and listening to something, you know, a, a teaching or something. I'm constantly praying in the Spirit under my breath. I'm praying in the Spirit, you know. I'm waiting at the airport tomorrow for a plane. I'm probably underneath my breath. You don't have to do it or everybody can hear you. In fact, it's stupid to do so. I pray in the Spirit under my breath. Why? It keeps me in constant fellowship and communion with the Father. You know why? You stay in constant fellowship and communion with the Father. How many know your flesh won't rise up like it used to? And the temptations that would come knocking on your door, they'll just have to keep knocking because you refuse to answer them. 